welcome to you as well. <laughs> Tax rate movies. This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date. Now they no longer date. My name is Ryan Whedon. Uh, my name is Matthew Fisher. Instead of dating, what do we do, Ryan? We sit on your couch and talk about movies. And in that vein, I have a question for you, Matt. Throw it at me. So we recorded an episode on a, a patron-only episode on a movie that is streaming like it was released streaming i think it was maybe going to have a release in the theaters but didn't because of covid and so i'm curious how do you think this is like moving forward going to affect people's expectations of movies so like you have like a big blockbuster say that's going to come out in the summer like tenant or something okay is it supposed to come out this summer? Yeah, it was supposed to come out like mid-July. Okay. But probably looks like that's not going to happen. Or maybe it will. I don't know. There, well, this probably isn't the answer you wanted. Uh, they're re-releasing Inception in theaters. Okay. And they're going to see how that performs. And then they're going to decide based on those numbers how they're going to release Tenant. Interesting. Okay, so... How does that affect the world, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, these are that's a movie that was like made with the thought that, like, oh, we're gonna put this up on a huge screen, you know, or whatever. Like, I I just I caught myself during the movie that we watched, it was called Nancy. No, it was called Shirley. (laughs) Yeah, okay, thinking that it was Uh, supposed to be for theaters, yeah, and like watching it. At some point, I was sort of like, I think this would play better on a big screen. I'm like, oh, it was supposed to be on the big screen. So, like, that, like, it kind of colors the way I'm watching it. And I'm just curious if you've experienced that in this time period when, like, the only... Because I miss fucking going to movies. I want to see some... Oh, I some, do, too. I really do. I fucking want to see some movies on the big screen right now. I'm, like, aching for it. And, like, everything is all on my, on my TV screen. I don't have, like, an amazing home theater setup. So, I'm just, like curious if that's coloring my idea of what to expect and moving forward what i what i can expect okay sit down children i got get comfortable (laughs) feels on this matter well one i'm gonna say this right now i am not at a place where i will pay 20 plus dollars to rent a movie Mm -hmm. so like invisible man that we talked about in shirley like it was available streaming but it was 1999 to stream it. Mm. I am not there yet. Yeah. Like if I'm going to pay upwards of $20 and like the idea is like you pay $20 and as many of your friends that you can have over yeah. can watch it with you. So it's like, it has to be higher than a ticket price. I'm not there yet. But what? you said you watched trolls Two by yourself. That was a bootleg critics screener copy uh, that, okay, okay, that okay. I got in the mail. Gotcha. So you didn't pay. Because I'm part of the Academy. I see. And we had to, you know, figure out who was going to be uh, uh, best CG, best actor. Right. Uh, which is a new category, hush, hush, they're releasing Ooh. in next year's y- Academy. I really feel like you should have re- re- divulged this information on our Oscar episode, but that's okay. It's okay. Well, it, it, things are moving fast these days, Ryan. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm I'm not at the point where I'm willing to pay that much for to stream a movie. Okay. Even a brand new movie, it's just it's not in me. Gotcha. I have a lovely TV. I'm very happy with yeah, my TV. It like wraps around. We watched all of Mildred Pierce, the miniseries with that TV. It looked great. It does good. It it does us right. It it does a good job. But I still feel if I'm going to pay top dollar to see a movie that it's got to be on like a big honking screen. I want to be immersed in it a little bit. Like, I own fucking Wild at Heart, but, like, we went and saw it in the theater. Yeah. And it was a different experience seeing it in yeah. the theater. There's also, there's something about, like, not being able to pause it and, like... There's... Your phone has to be put away. Like, you don't want to be that asshole looking at your phone. Yeah. And there's, like, you know, you hear other people's reactions. There is, like, something to the well, experience. Well, watching Wild at Heart in the theater, and I've told you this a bajillion times by now, but it, it is a different experience because it reinforces how much of a comedy that movie is seeing how much the audience laughs at different parts of the movie almost throughout there was somebody laughing yeah and it's it's such a different experience than watching at home alone yeah. even though like i have a perfectly big screen watching uh, what's laura dern's mother's name i want to say diane ladd or what? diane cannon one of them's a charlie's angel <laughs> 
One of them's not. Diane Lane. Lad. Damn it. Diane, Diane Lane Ladd is an unfaithful. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Diane Lad. Like the way that she's acting is meant for the big screen. Mm-hmm. Like her facial tics and her angry eyes. She holds her hands. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, she's acting because she knows that her face is gonna be huge. Yeah. And like that's how she's doing the performance. And it comes across when you're watching it on the big screen, and it comes across when it's an audience. Like, there's only like 80 people in the audience that day, and we knew like 11 of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a different experience. So I'm still not at the paying full price to watch it at home. But how did, does it fuck with your expectations at all? To like, if something was meant to be seen on the big screen, and then you're watching it for the first time on your screen, do you feel like a difference in what you're expecting from it? Well, maybe. There's a lot of movies that maybe have to uh, justify the big screen. Like, we might get to a point where the movies that are shown in theaters are really meant for the big screen. Sure. Like, we were talking about Shirley. I didn't get that feeling that it was meant for the big screen. You say that it was, but I was like, I I don't know if I would have gotten a different experience out of it seeing it in theaters. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like watching it at home on Hulu was fine. I guess, like, let me see if I can put this a different way. Because I was watching it on my TV, I didn't expect much from it. Okay. But, like, if I had paid a bunch of money to see this thing in the fucking theater, like, bought the ticket and gone there, like, took the time to get dressed, and, (laughs) you know... Because you watched it naked at home. I did. Uh, uh, there is a theory in economics that lowering the price of something sort of diminishes the values in our head. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear this a lot in the music community that people don't value music the way that they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. like Napster. Well, because it's free. Mm-hmm. And back when it had to be something that was sought out, that something that took effort or something that took research to find out, you'd have to subscribe to a zine to find out about the different types of punk music that was coming out or, or goth alternative music that was coming out. Like, I'm a big uh, organ grinder fan, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you only like your music played by Italians with monkeys on their shoulder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I check out... Grindmedown.net every day. Oh, that's why you have that grinder app on your phone. Well, yeah. (laughs) But there is a theory that, like, when you don't have to pay for something, you value it less. I mean, we do see that with movies because it's so easy to watch movies now. People do it a lot more casually. Yeah. And maybe I didn't give Shirley its justice because it was free. I didn't sit staring at the screen unbroken like uh instead you were checking to see what the next hot uh what did my, i just my, say my scruff Gr- stack grinder. mattress came came on and you were using that app that uh about your your beard trimming community <laughs> yeah. all the time right. you were checking that throughout the movie yeah yeah did i answer your question at all yeah or or are you forming the question around my answer no it sounds like if a movie you only see it on your TV, you think it's garbage. And if it's a movie you see in the theater, you think it's great. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but it's a different experience. And I'm I'm bringing a different level of attention and enthusiasm to it. Mm-hmm. If it's streaming for free on Hulu, I do think I'm more likely to, like, to screen it yeah. than I am if I'm going to go see it in the theater. I just feel like, yeah, we're kind of maybe seeing the finalization of the like Napsterification of movies, I think during this, um, if I'm going to be bold and I'll just make a prediction, I think that like, yeah, we're kind of seeing a moment where it's like as much as it, I'm chagrined to say it, like it makes me sad that like, I think like people are now going to start feeling like, yeah, I don't need to see it on the big screen. I've got a, I've got my thing here and I saw, yeah, I, lots of good stuff. I think what makes me sad is that so many of like the Marvel movies, I happily would to screen it. Like, I don't need to fucking watch Thor two intently. Like, yeah. but like something like Invisible Man, I wanted to see on the big screen. Yeah, and I probably won't get that chance anymore. Yeah, you know, a couple weeks ago I did a Twitter poll. I was like, "What's the first thing you're gonna do 
after quarantine ends and was like, number one, get a haircut. Number two, go to a bar. Number three, I don't, I don't remember what the other options were, like hook up with someone that you've been flirting with. And David Kitteridge put in a, a, a option that I didn't have. And he goes, go to the movies. And I was like, oh, fuck. I feel like a shithead for not including that in my original option. I'm glad you said it because we're all thinking it. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, Matt? We're not here to just talk about uh, summer movies en genre. All. <laughs> yeah. We're here to talk about a specific summer, summer movie. movie. And what movie is that? Uh, 2009's Perfect Getaway. You know, when you mentioned this last week, in the back of my head, I was like, something tells me this isn't going to be a perfect getaway. <laughs> Boy, your instincts led you right, <laughs> didn't they? Now, after Bitter Tears, which which is a very good movie, I was like, because when we do the podcast, we kind of have to, like, you more so than I, but we do kind of have to live with the movie a little bit. Yeah. I remember uh, last season when, like, the quarantine really started, or two seasons ago, I had to pick a movie on the fly, because we were going to have a guest on, oh, and right. they couldn't make it, so I had to pick something real quick. Oh, right, 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 yeah. And for some reason, like, picking a movie, like, Sunday morning to record on on Monday, it felt like I didn't have enough time to prepare. You know, I picked the movie. I kind of live with it in my head for the week leading up to us recording it, and then I kind of live with it a little bit afterwards, especially once the episode is released. Sure. And with bitter tears, I was like, oh, uh, like the movie's great, but I mean, she's not a light load. Yeah, it's just boy, you said a mouthful. <laughs> And I really wanted it to sort of turn around and do something not light and fluffy, but just cheap thrills. Like you popcorn. Know, popcorn, yeah. <laughs> like And Perfect Getaway, I was like, it's summertime. Here we are. It's July. Let's do a movie with exotic locales, a little intrigue, a little twist, a little turns, a little action, maybe a little gore. Fun cast, just hamming it up oh my goodness i don't know if there was much scenery after timothy oliphant had his way with it uh i do kind of love him in this so he kind of reminded me of bill paxton a little bit like there was something about his phrasing i was like oh this is like bill paxton aliens he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in and he's just like i'm gonna get every scent out of this role i mean timothy oliphant easy on the eyes you get a booty shot in this what do you remember him most from? Scream, probably. I'm Scream imagine. 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Scream 2. I mean, that was my first introduction to him, because I saw Scream 2 in theaters. That was 98? 96. Ni- no, the first Scream was 96. I'm kidding with you. It was 97. <laughs> okay, 97. See, that was a test. Good job. Thank you. He's just a babe. Yeah he, like, yeah, he plays bad boys real good. I didn't think we'd talk about the Oliphant in the room so quickly, but... Um... <laughs> oh, get out of here. I podcast over. <laughs> Um, credit to Conan O'Brien for that one, but um, this yeah, is, this is Zon on far enough. <laughs> Gross. So Steve Zahn's in this movie. Um, who I I feel like he. I don't want you to drove a bitch at <laughs> Mia too much. You're but... like a machine over <laughs> here. This is impressive. That's, it. that's all the famous people in this movie that I know. So. I was, well, I was going to say, can you get a Hemsworth quote out oh, of this? Oh, that's right. Uh, this movie is Hemsworth watching or yeah, something? There you go. <laughs> See? You can do this too. Um, But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Tim- I, I definitely remember seeing Scream 2 in theaters and sort of attaching myself to Timothy Oliphant. And thank God he's, like, survived, like, just being a heartthrob and, like, is in actual movies like i i haven't finished deadwood yet but mm-hmm. he's even good underneath all that that sweat and scruff i mean that's what i'm watching for <laughs> yes. i mean timothy olfant's not technically the star of this but steve zahn mila jovovich uh playing newlyweds na- pl- playing newlyweds a little backstory my friend alex her parents had a cabin 
out uh, uh, at Ocean Shores here in Washington. I think you've mentioned this on the podcast before. Probably. And we would really sink in with our movie watching, like... It, especially if we went like in winter, it it wasn't uncommon for us to like go like during like the long Thanksgiving weekend. We would go for like four days and bring sixteen to twenty movies with us, and we would literally get all the movies in during the weekend. Yeah, I think like Kaboom was one you mentioned. Kaboom was this. one. Um, I don't know if I've done many other movies on the podcast, but uh, but you've talked about it before. Yeah, I've talked about it. It's like. We were just a movie-watching crew, and if the weather was bad, like, in the summer, it'd be a little different. Like, we'd go out and, like, fly a kite, or, or they had a boat, so, like, we'd take the boat out and stuff like that. But this is one that we watched. It was, like, you know, late at night, like, you know, late November. We're watching Perfect Getaway. We're all a little drunk. We're full on food. We have snacks all around us. Like, what better conditions to watch this movie in I mean, than yeah. that? And no one knew that it was going to be, like, a twisty-turny thing. Like, we thought it was going to be, like, a thriller, but, like, more of a straightforward thriller is what yeah. we thought. I mean, I thought – the part of the reason I thought you picked this because of the meta elements. I was like, oh, oh you, you get me. <laughs> but, yeah. You're, I ate him up. I yeah. ate him up. The second the- – You're like, cook up those red snappers <laughs> for me. The second they said so – It would make a hell of an act two twist. I'm like, there's going to be a second act twist. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is yet. I'm going to work on it. And I, I did call the twist before it happened. Oh, did you? Okay. Barely. Just barely. Well, I was going to say, what is it like? Because I don't remember it that well. What's it like watching it fresh? It's fun. I mean, like a little brainless, but fun. Like I, especially for me as somebody who likes a meta movie, it's like they are Steve Zahn and uh, Mila Jovovich are a newlywed couple or they're playing a newlywed couple. And the first shots are of their wedding, quote unquote. And uh, they say, like, guys, guys, we're doing a video for uh, Clip and City. What do you want to say? First, the big studio sale. Now, the big wedding. MVP year for our boy Clifford. <laughs> I fucking hate you, Anderson. <laughs> and when you're all famous, don't forget about your crew from film school, huh? I already knew. I was like, oh, we're going to have like film. This is like a movie within a movie. And, and like, I'm already on board. And so when he's talking to Timothy Oliphant about. Am I saying that weird? That sounded oh, weird. That did sound weird. Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> and they are talking about scripts and just like red snappers and uh, all that junk. I was just like, yes, this movie's like laying it out. It's telling you, pay attention to this script and all your tropes that you know about movies because we're doing them times 10. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got the basics down. Uh, three acts. Here with the journey, red snappers, all that shit. Red snappers? Yeah, you know, you bring in a character just to fuck with the audience, just try to throw them off track by it's the... It's a herring. It's a red herring. I'm pretty sure it's a snapper. Excuse me while I shake the bush here. If you're savvy enough to know to look for that stuff and pay attention for it, it's a lot of fun. There's breadcrumbs all over the place. Sure. I think, like, when I called the twist was when... Um, uh, Steve Zahn's like looking for he's, he's on his phone and he's looking up the article about the murderers okay yeah that's when I was like oh he might be looking for that because he's scared but also like he wants to know what the information is because he might be the killer okay like, that's when I had figured it out but um it's still a lot of fun oh yeah 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 I mean spoiler alert I'm sorry like it is best to go into this not knowing anything I know we say that a lot but Maybe it wouldn't spoil anything. Maybe it would be better if you knew the thing and then you could see the breadcrumbs as you go. Well, I mean, I watched the movie knowing full well what the twist was. And my only complaint, because, like, it's still a lot of fun. Like, A, I was a little stoned and I was like, maybe this is, like, a meta commentary on, like, how we judge things based on their surface elements. Uh-huh. Because Mila Jovovich and Steve Zahn are, are the killers in this movie that they keep talking about. But, we, like, we're never supposed to suspect them right. of being the killers. Because Mila's so sweet and Steve's on so nerdy and ineffectual. It sets it up that, like, these are who they say they are. Right. Whereas Chris Hemsworth is sort of gruff and stern and mean. And you're like, oh, well, he's got to be a killer. And then, and like, you can break my neck. I got it. <laughs> and Timothy Olefont is uh, sort of a wild card, sort of a maverick. He's you capable of anything. You don't know. You, you think he could also be the killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and his girlfriend, who's unnamed actress number one uh could also have been like character's name is gina gina 
she could also there's a moment when she sort of seems a little a little off yeah and they talk about the the red herring explicitly in the movie and like the way that like the concept of a red herring plays out is really nice like if you know what a red herring is in screenplay writing terms yeah oh, i'm sorry we just called screenwriting <laughs> the way that it plays movie out script it, writing <laughs> Uh, typity type word writing. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what they call movie type script words. Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Scrolls. But yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. So like the the parchment writing is really like if you know parchment writing well, then you'll be on board with the red snapper. Mm-hmm. And the way that like the the Hemsworth arc kind of plays out, like oh, it's classic red herring at the beginning, and then it sort of switches it at the end of Act 2, and, like, the twist is almost like a reverse twist. Like, the twist is like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. Like, movies resolved. Mm -hmm. When I was stoned and thinking this was a commentary on on surface elements, Steve Zahn looks wimpy and ineffectual. Chris Hemsworth looks large and intimidating, and Mm -hmm. Oliphant... uh, Sexy and bangable. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's playing on audiences' perception on what a killer can look like in a movie. Yeah. I think that's a little deeper than the movie was actually going, but it was a nice thought that I had in the moment. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Everyone's just sort of like, I mean, this is a great example of just like Hollywood hot people Mm -hmm. with like a script that's fun, easy breezy popcorn flick. Like especially if you like movies, it's it's kind of a movie lovers movie in it, a way. It is because I was when I was looking up the movie, I was kind of surprised at like how low on like the list of like, you know, uh, like if you look up Steve Zahn or Mila Jovovich, like how far you have to scroll and they're like best known stuff. Yeah. Before you get to Perfect Getaway, so like this movie's a lot of fun. Like it doesn't super hold up on rewatch. Like. They should have gotten Joel Esterhaus to write the script. <laughs> so it's an either or? Yeah, because there's watching it knowing the twist, I was sort of like, oh, this doesn't really work. Like, this dialogue between Zahn and Jovovich doesn't really work if you know the twist. Mm. And then sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Like, And then sometimes it's like a little too obvious, like, oh, they're really playing in to the twist too much yeah that that, that like the, i said the with phone this exchange was what, the phone was what tipped me off because like when she like i think mila jovovich's line is like you're freaking me out freaking me out it could be anybody you never really seemed too upset about the murders before so like to say you're freaking me out reads more like oh you're freaking me out because like it could be us yeah and there are some things that read really well like the way that they're sort of noticing Timothy Pachyderm's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Steve Zahn seems to be like taking note of those stories. Like that plays really well when you're watching it a second time. Okay. Because he did that with the previous couple. He, he tried to get information oh, out of sure. their personal lives. Yeah. You know, it always amazes me how much people talk about themselves when they're on vacation talk to people they only just met so stuff like that really plays well but there's a couple times where it's like they seem a little too worried about timothy and uh, or or, or nick and gina the characters names being the killers i'm like this doesn't really jive well if they're the killers yeah well mila jovovich gets information out of her out of gina too like they talk about like we don't even know these people and then she's like blah 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 women talk yeah so it's like oh so she's doing intel too. passes the bechdel test I guess you're right. Yeah. Well, they're talking about a man. I mean, not all the time, though. Like, uh, uh, Gina and, and Mila have, like, girl talk. Like, this not about a man a couple times in the movie, so. But watching it the first time, I just think that I was here for, like, a fairly straightforward thriller, and then, like... Did the twist... plot twist surprise you the first time seeing it? Oh, 100p. Oh. How about everybody th- that you were with? Were they surprised, too? I think when it got to the point where they found the teeth, like, in the uh, the thing of mints... And we knew that, like, the movie wasn't over yet. Then we are all like, okay. Something's up, yeah. Yeah, because we were all, like, experienced enough moviegoers. It was like, the movie's not over. It's not like the cops found the killers and away they go, and they're just going to go to the beach and have a happy ending. So it was like... 30 we... minutes of them just, like, <laughs> hanging out and be like, wow, what Playing a good... Playing football on the beach, <laughs> yeah. What a nice vacation honeymoon we had. Yeah. Hey, we should meet up sometime again. <laughs> yeah. It's really been nice hanging out with you guys. Remember how there was those killers loose? But thank goodness the police <laughs> caught them. The end. 
What a weird movie that'd be. So yeah, it, it was when those two got caught, Kale and Cleo. Oh my God. At that point, we were definitely like, okay, there's got to be a different twist. And at that point, if you're looking for a twist, like, okay, it can't be the Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> I think it's Ole Faint. <laughs> Ole Faint. Yeah. Like taint, but faint. Yeah. Okay. What is it about him that makes him so sexy real fast? Like, is there anything? Well, he's got a, a sort of specific? rakish devil may care way about him. God. At the very beginning, when he's walking over that treacherous pass, he's like, Here, watch me. Keep your eyes down. Keep your speed up. Avoid those green rocks. And just be fearless. He's like, I have metal in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I know. mean that, that's it's, one of those good breadcrumbs though, because it's like when like the gun comes out and he gets shot, and I, I maybe you called it, but I definitely remember thinking that was like, oh right, the metal in his head that they made such a big point about. Well, I was like, they're gonna have to get out. I didn't, I didn't know how he was going to get out of that situation. I was like, he's there's got to be some way he's gonna come back, but it looks like he got shot and he's been like dead underwater for a while. So I was like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this one. And but it, it, like, it made sense. It totally made sense because, like, they make a big deal of talking about how he had, like, a chunk of his skull ripped out in Iraq. It was replaced with a metal plate. Can't go through a metal detector without ringing cherries, but that's cool. Let's me travel to Gilligan just about wherever I want. And Gilligan's, like, a knife that he, like, keeps uh, uh, strapped to his one, ankle. One of those knives that has, like, finger holes in it so they can't, like, take it out of your hand, yeah. I'm assuming. I don't know. But. Or it's, like brass knuckles so you can punch someone too oh yeah okay but yeah so you know once the twist happens he gets shot but it's like he does turn away from the bullet and it hits him in the metal plate in his head so he's able to survive and his kayak turns over so it's like he can breathe breathe because he's floating in in the underbelly of the kayak there i'll be honest for a second i was like oh maybe they really are going to kill him off and it's just going to be Gina who solves this problem. And it's like, mm. I'm, I'm on board for that, too. Like, it does give a lot of screen time to Gina after that. As yeah. she tries to, like, she gets that call from, like, AT&T. She's <laughs> yeah. happy. And that's one of, like, that scene, like, that sort of extended scene with Gina is, like, the cheap thrills that I'm here for. Because she's, like, up at the top of the bluff or whatever trying to find them. And it's super quiet. And it's tense because she's like, she doesn't know what's going on. And then, like, the phone rings, but it's that, like, hoedown ringtone. <laughs> no, it's Dixieland. Oh. And I was like, ooh. But, like, that as, like, a tension breaker yeah. is super good. And then she's on the phone with, like, an AT&T rep about her, if she's happy with her long dis- And she's like, call the cops. Tell them to come to, what is it, Kauai? Kauai, yeah. The, the Fifth Island in Hawaii. Send the police out here. There's just a good tension because, like, the rep is like, I don't fucking know what to Let do with this call. Let me get my supervisor. No, don't get your supervisor. And, like, the whole thing is, like, they're out in a remote place. There's no bars. Like, they can't. The only way to the beach, it's established very early on. And I was like, oh, well, they're going to get trapped at this beach. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, this is where the showdown's going to happen, <laughs> yeah. clearly. Yeah. You know what? Drop me off right here. Forget the hike. Only two ways, in and out Sydney, by foot or by kayak. But that's what makes it so special. Well, they're going to that beach. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, just the way that like the 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 camera shows it, like from the helicopter's point of view, yeah. it's like, and this is the showdown spot. I mean, that's the kind of tropes that I'm here for. Like, it's almost making fun of itself by doing that. Oh, totally. <laughs> it's like the movie's so, so aware <laughs> of thriller tropes. Yeah, it's not trying to be fancy. It's trying to be fun. Yeah. So. And it is especially fun if you know these tropes. Yeah. And, like, if you know them, the way that it's playing with them is just a lot of fun. Yeah. And this is a scene that's totally preposterous if you think about it with any sort of critical measurements. But she's on the bluff, and she's, like, looking at her over the water, and, like, then suddenly you hear, like, the sound from a walkie-talkie. Yes, it is in the Pacific Ocean. Yes, it is one of the five islands. <laughs> I'm on Kauai, in the Hawaiian ch- chain of islands. We're almost there. A little more, baby. Right there. That scene is very tense, because you're like, where's that sound coming from? What is like, that? What we is know that? that's Mila Jovovich talking, but like, you don't know the context. And then, you know, Steve Zahn pops up 
Like the idea that he like climbed that whole bluff I know. is preposterous. And then she stabs him in the hand and he's able to like reach over and grab the knife yeah. out of the hand. I'm like, what's he holding on to to get himself up the cliff? Bonus points to this movie. Good gore. Like yeah, when sure. she gets sta- when Gina gets stabbed oh, in the fun. leg. No, that's fun. And like she has to like pull the knife out and like the camera just that's what it's showing. Like I'm here for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it looks pretty good. And like this is w- what I mean when I say cheap thrills. Like seeing someone pull like a dagger out of their thigh and the camera doesn't turn away from it. Like it's gross, it's squeamish, but it's just like past that popcorn. We also get the aforementioned nudity, which I mean, it's really just Timothy Pockadarm's butt. <laughs> we see his uh, girlfriend Gina, sorta. We get side boob. Yeah, but I mean, it's like that's just enough of a cheap thrill in a summer movie where you're like, "Hmm, thank you." And he, I mean, like he's shirtless a lot, so and, and Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Hemsworth yeah. is there for eye candy. Which I'm not a big fan of his face in this one. Like not he's got yet. like a dumb haircut and, and I don't like his beard. And there, there's something about his beard that makes his face look weird. But um there's a he's lot of fucking shirtless. Ripped I think he's shirtless through the whole time he's, he's on got this he's show. got like a loose jacket on with no undershirt. Yeah. At, like in the beginning. But pretty but, much he's just shirtless the whole time. And it, it looks good from this vantage point. I'm not mad. Yeah. Yeah, you get a lot actually now looking back, you get a lot of eye candy for for the gays and ladies, and not so much for the straight men. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, of course, Mila Jovovich is beautiful, but, but she's not objectified, really. Yeah, you don't see her boobs or anything. No, she like, does get naked, but you don't see anything. Yeah, she like hops in the water, and it's all very tasteful. This is a PG thirteen movie, so oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which, yeah, surprising now that we're talking about the like the knife blood. Thing. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I mean, when Timothy Olyphant gets shot in the back of the head, like. There's like a flap of flesh that he has back there. Right. That he just clicks back in. Yeah. And then like like ties a bandana or something. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Those MPAA people. Yeah. They're they're a fickle bunch. They, you know, whatever. Very wishy washy. Yeah. There's little things to the craft of the movie that I really appreciate. Like the opening shot is the wedding footage, like the archival footage. And it does a really good job of like not showing their faces. Right. Which is key. Like we have to imagine that we know these people, but like we don't see them till they're already on the island. Yeah. Yeah. Uh even though it's like through still the camcorder footage at that point. But you know, the first time that I watched it, I didn't put together that we don't actually see either of these people at the wedding proper. Right. And so, like, that's a good, like, cinematic trick to be able to, like, show the groom with cake all over his face. So it's like... We're getting a noogie. Yeah, so, like, his his face is disguised, but it doesn't draw attention to the fact that you're not seeing the face. I Well, I mean, I did notice that we aren't actually seeing the happy couple. We're seeing the people that were at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And for when I watched it, I was like, oh, maybe one of these people is going to turn out to be like a killer or something. Mm. But like that doesn't come into play at all. Mm-hmm. It's just to show you that like these are newlyweds. And then like it basically like shows the footage, shows the title card, and then cuts to them on the island. And you just assume that like this is that couple that, mm-hmm. we, that we're filming that. Right. And like yeah, you don't. Re- not, that's not a hard leap either. You're no, just like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it's like you just you don't really call it into question for a long time. It's just watching it, knowing what the twist is. I'm like, how are they doing this? I'm like, oh, it's actually kind of clever. Like, yeah. it doesn't draw attention to itself, and you, you buy that leap that like, yeah, it's we. Kind of, I mean, it's obvious looking back. Oh, super obvious. I mean, a lot of the stuff super obvious yeah. knowing the twist. But, but the first time through, like, I I thought it was weird. Especially because the footage that they use in that is like a little unsettling wedding footage. Like it's his big brother giving him a noogie, and he's like, "Come on, man, it's my wedding day." And then it's there, they show that like bridesmaids who's who's like kind of bitter. So like it doesn't show a happy part of the wedding. It just shows sort of like mm. these bitter parts of it. So you're like, it's like yes, it's a wedding, but there's like something unsettling about okay. it. And I'm like, that's clever. Yeah. And then it cuts to them being like, we're so happy. And I thought that like maybe there was going to be. Also, I thought there was going to be some element of like their wedding isn't happy because I mean the thing's called a fucking perfect getaway. So I'm like, maybe it's not so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I was looking for. I thought that it was going to be something that like pulled them apart as a couple, but that's not even a thing. So. Yeah. 
you're right. It does set up like sort of an unsettling tone. Like even though we're supposed to be watching a celebration, you kind of come out of like if you just watch that footage, you'd be like, ooh, this doesn't seem like a happy yeah celebration. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, there was a point when um, Timothy Olyphant is talking about uh, situational awareness. He uses the example of like being on an airplane and like when he gets on it, he looks around and, you know, finds all the exits and all the like people and da 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 da. When I board a plane, making my way back to the cheap seats, I clock every door. I pace off the distance between those exits and my seat. That plane loses power on takeoff, I can make you grass in the dark, totally blind. If the aisle crowds up, I'm gonna climb over the back of 36D. Guy with that shiny ass toupee, make the over the wing exit. And I know the handle swings down, not up. And I know the door swings in, not out. And I know all of that inside of 30 seconds before they even pop the cork for you up there in Hollywood class. <laughs> and then he, he, he mentions that an actual crash that happened, the Sioux City crash. And uh, boy, I wasn't prepared for him to talk about a real crash because that thing really has an imp- had an impact on my life. How so? Well, I remember that happening because I was like eight or nine and it happened during the summer. So I was old enough to stay up and watch the news with my parents. Mm. And because that was a flight that originated in Denver, well, maybe it got a lot of coverage everywhere, but because it originated in Denver, it got a lot of coverage in Colorado Springs. And they would just show that footage of that plane crashing over and over and over and over and over. And like the like local... Sioux City news coverage of that plane crashing is burned in my mind. And I went oh. back and rewatched it after he said that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember every second of that crash landing. I, so I was hoping there'd be some some hot trivia on this movie because I'm like, it's so twisty turny and there's so much foreshadowing and breadcrumbs and blah, blah, blah. Like people will probably like done like, oh, when he says this, it's alluding to this and blah, blah, blah. And there's really not. Mm. Or, or at least people haven't gone all geeky on this one. But... One of the things they mention in that is that uh, Nick says that there was uh, 111 killed on that plane, but in actuality, 112 were killed. Oh, okay. And so it's like they thought he was dead, but he actually survived. I mean, he's real tough to kill. He's tough to kill. He is really hard to kill. Do you think Nicolas Cage could play him in a movie? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Nicolas Cage as... Timothy Oliphant in American Jedi. Jedi yeah. <laughs> Possible title number one, by the way. If there's a weak link in this movie, I do th- actually kind of think it's Steve Zahn. Oh, really? Well, I like him in in the most of the movie, but I don't see any menace in him. So, like the idea that he's like Woody Harrelson in Natural Born Killers or something like oh, that. B- oh, by the way. <laughs> When they mention Natural Born Killers to that group of clueless sorority girls. Yeah. And she's like, ooh, that movie really freaked me. I'm like, you've never seen. This movie's 11 years old. So you got to remember that that sorority girl may have seen Natural Born Killers. Which was 12 years old. No, more than that. Like 14 years old at that time. I doubt she's seen Natural Born she Killers. She may have seen Natural Born Killers when she was like seven or eight or something. Like her dad could have rented it from Blockbuster and watched it and she saw part of it. Maybe she was a Juliette Lewis fan. You don't know. I just, I found that hard to buy. I don't know. I had, I, that was a sticking point for me. I'm Took sorry. Took right out of the movie. I'm sorry. Um, what was my point here? I had a point. <laughs> sorry. Oh, Steve Zahn. Oh, right. He's not, he doesn't have the Being menace. weak and ineffectual, I buy. Being menacing and, and corruptive, I don't really buy. Okay. Do you buy Mila Jovovich as menacing? Well, menacing I, in this role i do i kind of bought it yeah like when because she, she she's been corrupted and like she tells that story about like she fell for this guy who everyone thought was nice but really had a bad side and i'm just like i don't think steve zahn does that role yeah i think i agree with you because when you know the shit hits the fan and, and mila jovovich is chasing gina mila jovovich has a physicality to her that i think I think that like gets shoved under the rug because she chooses terrible roles a lot of times. Well, but she can be good physically, like the way she like they have that fight sequence and sort of the way she, her arms kind of dangle. She gets kicked in the vagina. Yeah, yeah. 
there is something to the physicality she brings to the role that I'm like, okay, I buy that you're a little dangerous. Well, like, I, I, I think we, we both agree that, like, I talked about this on Letterboxd oh, okay. a while ago because I watched Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, actually. Oh, you did watch that. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Mm. And uh, in my letterbox review, I said that, like, if the MCU, like, the greatest harm the MCU has caused cinema is, to my eyes at least, the total vanillification of anyone caught in that system. So it's like, remember how Robert Downey Jr. used to be seen as, like, this, you know, sort of rakish, devil-may-care bad boy, like, charming and kind of sexy, but, you know, he had this troubled past, and, like, what is he doing now, Dr. fucking Doolittle? Just, like, people get sucked into this, like, huge Hollywood system, and they come out the other end just totally devoid of, of what made them fun and original to begin with. Okay. I kind of feel like Mila Jovovich got sucked into that via the Resident Evil franchise. I know, I know. Because I think she's actually a very talented actress english isn't even her first language would you know that from watching this movie not no no way no yeah she's great i mean we're both fifth element fans here and part of it is how good she is in that role and part of that is her physicality in that role like oh yeah because she has to be super physical in that role yeah i mean she's a model first she was a model first so she's obviously aware of how her body looks Mm -hmm. but in that movie and this movie, I have I haven't seen. But I mean, okay, honestly, I, I've seen a couple Resident Evil movies, but not for a long time. But like the way she swings her arms and the way she like holds herself when she becomes menacing, you I buy it. Like oh, she's good at it. Yeah, no, no, no. And and I I just kind of feel like she's been put through that Hollywood system too long that a lot of what makes her great has kind of been wrung out of her. Yeah, uh, I actually in this movie there was a scene when she does. That scene in the tent, and she's talking about the, the Rock, guy that Rocky, she, yeah. yeah, and like all that. Like, that's a good monologue. And then I can't remember what the question is before, but she says, um, in a way that I was like, wow, that's good acting. So now, when people want to tell me how so fucking perfect their lives are, I don't believe them. Um, I mean, I love her, so yeah. maybe I'm biased, but I think she's good in this role. I, I and and I totally buy her. And then like the switch, like the tra- her arc of being newlywed to being the 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 corrupted meth head murderer. Yeah, crystal meth head murderer. I mean, she wasn't really, but like she she's fighting for her man to like her redemption at the end. I'm with her all the way. There, yeah. There's no point in the movie that I, I'm not buying her arc. I mean, the last part of it's a little cheesy, but whatever. <laughs> but it plays into how tropey the movie is and how sure. it, this movie embraces tropes rather than rejecting them. Yeah, 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 yeah. My problem with Steve Zahn is, like, I totally buy him as the nerdy and effectual one, but when he actually has to, like, become this psychotic killer sociopath, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't see it. I don't think Steve Zahn's a bad actor, but yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm with you a little bit. Like, when- yeah, I, I don't, th- I don't think he's a bad actor, but and it'd be tough because, like, you know, I love Rick Moranis. You could cast Rick Moranis in this type of role, and do I think that he could turn around on a dime and suddenly be the menacing sociopathic killer? No, I, I don't think that. <laughs> it just. Well, I'll show you. Here's here's the gun I've got. Now I'm going to shoot you. That's my Rick Moranis. That's re- actually really good. Well, that you. was solid. <laughs> Suddenly, me. <laughs> Bang. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you. Oh, I mean, wow. I did, but... Man, you went to the Rick Moranis school of, of, of theatrics. Yeah, and because, like, yeah, it does, like, the whole flashback thing, and Steve's on as this sociopath psychopath i'm like i just I don't, I don't buy it and then like the crystal meth comes out and i do like that scene when he's like chasing after and like they run into those other hikers and he's like he's a friend of my wife she has a little issue with them crystal meth okay 
Normally she's pretty functional, but obviously this ain't normal. Like the thing, like how he's like, well, I'm an EMT, and he says it to Mila Jovovich first, and like that's all you need for to like establish the character because he's like, look, man, we just out here because someone took off with two of our boats. The last thing we want is to get involved in somebody else's mess. Okay, cool. Right? Yeah, right. Cool. Except. Except what? You know, it's just that I don't get why her pupils are normal and yours are the size of olives. Guys, that was a perfectly good story. Actually, yeah, yeah. Not wrong. He, he sold it. Like, the only thing that gave him away was his pupils. I just... Nothing about Steve Zahn's scary to me. That's that's the real problem. No, I feel you. I feel you. I'm, well, who who would you recommend in their stead? It would have to be someone between Steve Zahn and Timothy Oliphant in terms of like stature and build, which is why like even though I don't actually care for the movie, like Woody Harrelson kind of does have that because he, of course, played stupid and ineffectual and cheers for a number of years to mm-hmm. great success, but he can also turn around and play psychotic and aggressive. And Steve Zahn's wheelhouse just doesn't quite encompass that to me. That's a tough one. Who would you pick of that age at that time? Yeah, I'd have to like research it a little bit. I want to talk for a sec about the directing because I was getting a lot of Danny Boyle, the beach vibes from this movie. Oh, this movie's a lot better than the beach, though. Oh, yeah, I agree. But, like, style-wise, I was seeing a lot of... Are you sure it just wasn't the presence of a beach? Oh, yeah, that could be it. <laughs> You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't put those two together. Just the, the fast cuts and the use of music and, mm. like... I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, I just I just got... And, like, also... um. I got a lot of sunshine vibes, which is around the same time as this movie, too. I feel like this director saw Danny Boyle's oeuvre up that... until this point and was like, I'm going to steal some things from him. And I got a lot of those vibes. And you know what? Killian Murphy could probably play the Steve Zahn role. Oh, ooh. Now there's a movie. <laughs> he really could have been a good. And especially like, ooh, 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 ooh. So one thing I was thinking while watching this, I'm like, wouldn't it be fun to do a remake of this with gay couples? And like, you've got all the like interesting thing of like gay couple power dynamics going on. I'm like, that's a lot of fun. But if you like also made it more like international couples rather than like so American, like what if Mila Jovovich was French? And I, oh my, I was just gonna say you just want this to be a bunch of French gay people trouncing around on a beach, and I'm like, we've already done that movie, Ryan. It was called Strangers by the Lake. <laughs> well, I have a type, apparently. I think one thing I really like about this movie also is that like it's not trying to be a franchise. It's not trying to be anything more than it is. Yeah. It's like. You know what? You pay for a popcorn action flick that ends with like a cheesy ending. Like you're done, and you're like you leave the theater, you leave the or you turn off your TV, as the case may be, just feeling like that was fun. I mean, that's why I chose it as a palate cleanser to to Peter von Kant because I was like, that's a movie that asks something from the audience. Yeah, and this movie doesn't really. <laughs> And those two movies combined, I can start anew. While watching this, like when when Perfect Getaway ended, I was like, if this was the floor for movies, like if this was the worst movies got, we're at least on the third floor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like people would watch a lot more movies if this was as bad as they got. Oh, totally. Because like it's not brilliant, but it is clever and it is fun. Yeah. And god damn it, sometimes that's just what you want in a movie. All you need. There's hot bodies in it. And especially it looks good, yeah. Especially if you're attracted to men, then you're getting your money's worth out of it. Yeah. You're getting you're getting your uh, m- m- Hemsworth out of it. I don't know. I was trying to make it work. Hemsworth. Uh, turn turn me off. <laughs> Good choice. This was fun. Uh, would you like to hear what's coming up next week? So we talk about how if A Perfect Getaway is a good floor for movies, then everything above would be probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like we should maybe explore the basement a little bit. Oh, God. (sighs) I tried doing a bad movie last season. It backfired on me. (laughs) But this time, it's going to be fun. This is fun bad, Matt. Fun bad. I'm just worried because... Greasy Strangler to you was like Twix to me, where like it was so bad, but like you couldn't get it out of your head, and like you convinced yourself that it was actually good, and then like you rewatch and you're like, oh no, it was not. No, no, I 100% know this movie's bad. I'm worried though, Ryan. You like last time it was a unique type of bad that like I couldn't. We're in summer now, Matt. We're doing summer fun bad, okay? I promise you. I'm just worried. Here's the wind-up. Uh-huh. And I'm going to pitch it to you now. We're oh, gonna this do... build-up is making me scared. We're going to do the apple. Oh, well, I've seen the apple. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> that was a underhand... Finally, something I can get on board with. Underhand toss of bad movie to you, so... Oh, my God. Come the on, this apple. is... This is yeah. fun bad. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, you know me. I got my, I got my bad 80s musicals. They're like back pocket things for me honestly like like when i watched when you made me watch this way way back in the day i didn't even think it was that bad (laughs) (laughs) so this will be fun great uh so i'm curious to see what what 10 years later matt thinks about this because i definitely remember being over the top and i definitely remember there being a lot of glitter and that that's basically where my memory like falls off if you're cool with it i would like to now plug our junk yes please Thank you to all our lovely Patreons, people who are giving us money to make this podcast. You are so important to us. You make this happen. We love you. We're doing all that good bonus content of current streaming things for you. And if you're not one of those people, get on board because it's awesome. Five bucks a month. That's where it starts. Then you you can find out if it's worth watching or not. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable with any of the tiers we have set up email us i'll make a new one just for you you want to do a dollar tier you want to do a 50 cent tier i don't care talk to me let's talk let's negotiate ryan's on his knees here it's kind of sexy get on board with it you just described me as your older brother now it's weird did i say older brother yeah i think i just said brother you said older brother Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at X-Rated Movies. Follow us on Facebook at Rated X Movies. Send us an email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And of course, find all of our normal episodes way, way back into the long, long ago on xratedmovies.com. Check out our double feature on Joel Schumacher, which we did before he died. Well before he died. Episode 10. We pull no punches and we still don't. Love that bitch. R.I.P. <laughs> Till next week when we do the infamous The Apple. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Rainbow.